0: So, nearly everybody I know has trouble sleeping. Do you fit into that category? Are racing thoughts overtaking your night of sleep? Are you tired of not being able to sleep? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? If so, it's time for you to try Ebb. If you have tried everything from pills to pillows with little success, then it is certainly time to try Ebb. Ebb is the first and only wearable drug-free solution, which targets the root cause of sleeplessness, which is the racing thoughts, right? Ebb applies precise and continuous cooling to the forehead, which calms your mind, and it's clinically validated. Four out of five users report falling asleep faster and improving overall sleep quality. Ebb allows people suffering from sleeplessness to drift more comfortably into a deeper, more restorative sleep sleep is designed to work with your natural sleep-wake rhythms to allow you to get into that deep sleep more quickly. I'm telling you, this is a real issue. Many people I know have trouble sleeping, and you want to get that energy back to do the things that you love once again. In order to do so, you need to get sleep. Ebb's natural solution has no morning side effects and allows you to get back to your peak performance. Right now, you can try Ebb risk-free for 60 nights to confirm that it is the solution you've been looking for. Simply go to tryeb.com slash That's T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash dot Tryeb.com slash Order today. Get the sleep you
1: need and you deserve. Jason Witten looks at me and he said, so hold on, I heard some stuff about you. How did you get here? You're not supposed to be here, right?
0: Can you share any of that conversation? I'm not looking to
1: give it all up. Dude, I was de-rusting ball bearings and <laughs> building Sector 9s for little scuds. I was selling jeans Incredible. To, uh, to Green Day fans. <laughs>
0: Yo, what's cracking, everybody? Welcome to the Jim Roam Podcast, the side hustle to beat all side hustles. If you can believe this, we are now all the way up to episode 116, which is pretty amazing. And this thing just keeps getting better and better. This week, we run down a member of one of the NFL's preeminent families, the Long family. Father Howie, of course, one of the best to ever do it. And he rocks the mustard blazer that you can only get by taking up residence in Canton. My guest's older brother, Chris. He's got a couple of Super Bowl rings to his credit, and holding it down and maintaining that great family rep is my guest. He was the 20th overall pick of the Bears back in 2013. All he did was hit the ground running and go to three straight Pro Bowls. Unfortunately, injuries took their toll, and he ultimately announced that he was going to retire from the game a few weeks back, but that does not change the bottom line. Kyle Long was a wild man then, and he always will be, and that's why I had to run him down for EP 116. It's Kyle Long's EP, and it's coming at you right now. So, Kyle, you started the year by retiring. Has it finally sunk in, and what have the early days of retirement been like?
1: Yeah, the retirement process and really the transition into another career has been an interesting one. Uh, every day, it's like peeling layers on an onion. You find more and more things that you were not involved in that you need to be involved in now. As, as a, as a grown-up, really, I'm 31, but I feel like I'm 17, 18 in some regards, so there's a lot to learn.
0: Man, it's one of my favorite topics. Like, when you've done something your entire life and that's your identity and that's the only thing you know, and then all of a sudden it's ripped from you, like, exactly what do you do? You said recently, my next step is figuring out who the heck I am outside of being a football player. Like, do you have any idea who the hell you're going to be and how long it's going to take to figure that out?
1: Well, the first step in figuring out who I am and figuring out what I want to be was really getting out of the relationship with football. And you alluded to, like... It's almost like a breakup, like I've been dumped by the game of football when in reality, you know, maybe I sought the therapy I needed and I was like, hey, I need out of this relationship. It's been great, but there's other things in my life that I can pursue.
0: See, that's really interesting. Like, so you've got the relationship with football, so that's kind of a breakup, and then you've got the relationship with your organization. So who broke up with whom? Did you break up with them or did they break up with you or was that mutually agreed upon?
1: Well, I think it was a it was a mutual thing. I mean, I I believe it was three of the last four years. I ended my season early on IR. Um, You know, it's 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 no secret when I'm healthy, I can play the game of football pretty damn well. And it's also no secret that anybody dealing with injury is going to be less of a man or a woman than they than they are previously. So, as a business owner, I understand that the McCaskies and Pace in the general manager position has a job to do to get guys on the field. They're going to stay there. The best ability in the NFL is dependability, and I didn't have it there at the end, and that's okay. I did really well at the beginning. I've set myself up well for the transition, which we are talking about, and I have no real regrets, but it was a mutual understanding, and, you know, it's an open door uh, policy at Alice Hall with me. I can go by there and watch practice and hang out and That's important, as you know, being around the guys.
0: No doubt. I mean, your football journey is just amazing. And it's one thing like, so it ended with Chicago. That's fine. I get that. But you are 31, and you worked really hard to put yourself back in a spot where you were playing this year. I mean, I guess theoretically you could have continued. Did you think about taking a shot with somebody else? And if not, how come?
1: Well, early in my career, I found that the city of Chicago was different than a lot of cities I've been in. Now, granted, I've never played professional sports in other cities, but I can only speak to the the backyard that I know, and that's Chicago, and they've embraced me with open arms since day one. Uh, So many unique opportunities have been afforded to me because of the game of football and our relationship with Chicagoans. But uh, I would never think about playing for another team, and I think it's more about life after football. You see these guys from the 85 Bears, they won a Super Bowl. We didn't. They, get, they don't have to pay for meals. They get, they get all the love in the world. You'd be an idiot if you got out of the Chicago market. And I understand you've got to go get your bread, but it was never really about the bread for me. I was out for respect, and I think I earned it early on. And I can walk away with uh, good sleep there.
0: God, you know, it's so interesting you said that because I, going back in the day, I can remember when Mark Grace played for the Cubs and we would talk about this, like if you were a star athlete in Chicago, like it's an amazing town, it's a tough town, but if they love you, man, as an athlete, it, there's no better place to play. I mean, I understand that's pretty much what you're talking about. What about loyalty? Like is any of this about how loyal you were to that franchise? Because Kyle, I've talked to a million athletes, and they would tell me there is no loyalty in pro sports. Is any of this about you being loyal to them?
1: Well, it's a good question, Jim. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in the media in Chicago. His name's Lawrence Holmes, and he asked me a similar question. And really, to make a long answer short, the end of my answer was it's loyalty and unlo business. The Bears are loyal to me because they didn't cut me. They kept me on the roster for... Numerous years when I was a lame duck, essentially. I never gave myself a chance to get healthy. I just always wanted to be on the field. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's what it really is. It's an unloyal business. There's no secrets there. It's the NFL. It's a bottom-line business. There's big money involved, sponsors. People need a product. And dependability is the best ability. I didn't have it, so then lies the problem, Jim.
0: Hey, listen, you're being really accountable and really, really responsible, Kyle. I respect that. But of course, you hit the ground running. You went to three straight Pro Bowls. And we could talk about when you first got there. The, the thing that's really surreal to me, like I'm having a conversation with you, dude, this is crazy. I'm having a conversation with you that I used to have with your dad. I mean, shit, how long before you have a kid so I can talk to how he's grandkid and have the same conversation?
1: Yeah, it, it won't be too long. You know, it's that that process is a, is a really cool one. And a unique one, and obviously uh, I'm excited about being able to be present in areas of my life that I wasn't able to because of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you dealt with my dad in his playing days. He was no walk in the park, I'm sure, socially. Uh, but he, he's made a lot of progress, and God bless my mom for being patient with him.
0: I got to tell you something, and I, and I could— talked to you about this for a long time. I don't know if you're into it or not. Your, your dad, actually, he, we did not get off to a good start, and man, I, he was so good for so long, but you, know, you have to understand, when your dad played, and I first got my first big break in media in San Diego, there was nothing like this, right? So there was no social, there was no Twitter, there was nothing, and I worked for a San Diego flagship, so all we did was talk shit about the Raiders because yeah. it was a Charger flagship, right? And yep. your dad, it worked its way back to your dad, and because there were so few of us doing it and I had a big mouth and your dad's like yeah man this guy this character this Rome I mean and he did this during a conference call and to me that was like oh it's go time this is gonna be good and now I'm talking even more shit and then your dad and I finally come together and it was at Lee Steinberg's Super Bowl party and my wife who was my girlfriend at the time was terrified she's like he he's going to kill you he will kill you literally and I'd never met your dad before I'm like he might he might, I don't think so, but if he does, it might be good for the show, whatever. And we finally came together. Your dad was so funny. He looks me up and down and keep in mind, again, there's like not a lot of pictures, not a lot of TV and media. He looks me up and down. And he's like, yo, man, you're bigger than I thought you were, which was hilarious. Cause I was like five nine one sixty. And dude, he couldn't have been a greater gentleman, man. He was so awesome. But back then you mentioned your mom, like he was always talking about Diane, Diane, this, Diane, that Diane calls all the shots. Diane runs the house. So to answer your question, your dad was a walk in the park, man. I loved him. I still love him.
1: Well, it's 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 really important that, you know, that lesson of the women in our lives are the most important people. That's really important. But talking about dad, it's just, it's crazy because like you're talking about, there's no social, there's not a lot of records. You can, fi- you can type in my name followed by any instance you want to find out about. There are pictures, there are tweets, there are whatever. As a kid who's trying to find out more about his dad who played in the dark ages, it's tough for me to find out. So to hear stories like this is great, and that's priceless to me.
0: No, I'm so glad you said that, Kyle, because I was, I, people, my dad passed away when I was in my late 20s and he had cancer, and people would tell me about him, and I was, I couldn't get enough. I'm like, what do you know about him? You did business with him? Like, your dad also, he was funny. When he'd come on the show, he would talk about, and I can't remember if it was you or Chris, but he said at one point, he said to me, when he and I were doing better and better and we had a relationship, he goes, let me tell you something, Rome. He goes, my boy, my boy will kick your ass right now. And he's six. So, dude, who were you six five or six two when you were six? Or was he talking about Chris? But he was you know, funny about that stuff, to him, too. It
1: could have been any of the long boys. <laughs> I know, right? Because um, the thing about us is when one of us shows up, there's two right outside the door waiting. <laughs> and we're on a stopwatch. Give me 30 seconds. If I'm not out, little Howie, you run in. That's how Howie, you funny. wait at the end. Oh, no, he
0: was he was funny like that. He was really proud, really proud of you guys, and he would talk about you guys. He, like your dad, I'm not, I'm not making this all about your dad. I want to talk more about y- your career, obviously, but your dad, to me, one more thought. he He was the gold standard of athletes that transitioned. Like, you and I could talk about what it's like to be wired to compete the way you guys are, because he used to be really interesting like that, too. Like, when all of a sudden you can't settle your business by punching somebody in the mouth, and you have to be like a normal person off the field. He was really good on that stuff. But man, your dad was so, and now that you're in the media, you can respect this. Your dad attacked that thing, man. He was so meticulous and so detail oriented. And I've always said to athletes, it's never going to be the same as what it was like on the field, but you better approach that second career like it was the same if you want to have success. And that's why your dad has been on TV as long as he has and done as well as he has because I think he never disrespected the process.
1: Absolutely not. He's a professional. As you said, we we have been lucky to have a dad that's truly a great dad and he's present in our lives and he's he's transitioned to wearing the hat of a best friend, which is, you know, it can be awkward at times, but we have great conversations and I learn a lot about him as a man, not just as a dad. Uh but, you know, you're talking about the transition into the career after sports, and I think it's really important to touch on a guy who we recently lost, Kobe Bryant. And he has had an. I didn't grow up a Laker fan. I didn't grow up a Kobe fan. I had an appreciation and respect for Kobe from a distance, but you would never hear me say that because I like LeBron. I liked other guys that happened to be playing him. Um, But his transition into business, he really had the Mamba mentality. And I think my dad shares that a bit with him where it's never going to stop. You're never, you know, the thirst is never quenched. Whether it's on the field, in the studio, at the radio station, real estate, there's always something to do. And there's always something to learn about and get better at. That's why I woke up today and it's like there's no bad days because you wake up and it's like living in the Matrix, man. I just learned Kung Fu. I found out what mortgage was last week. That's big shit, Jim. Dude, that's
0: enormous shit. That's amazing to hear you say that too, Kyle, because you've been, I don't want to say in a bubble, but like, it's, you've been so, not structured, but it's like, it's so consuming.
1: In the NFL. And you know what? It's not a bad thing. It's the only way to get 53 guys to show up on time with the right socks on is to make sure they have the great structure. And, you know, I use the word coddled because there's a lack of a better term in my mind, in my P brand. But uh, I will say that. There's an arrested development, and the NFL does their due diligence to, to do that, but you can't hold guys' hands when they leave the building. You can't make sure they're calling friend, their financial guys. You can't make sure that they understand the structure of their marketing deals. Um, that's all stuff that I'm learning now, and it's a, it's a tough step, but it's almost like going to college.
0: God, it's amazing to me. It's so interesting because like, for your entire life, like a lot of pro athletes, you're so engrossed and it's all-encompassing and you got to pay that price and your days are long and they are structured and then all of a sudden you're free of that so you would think, man, this is the best shit ever. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I have all this time. I don't have all this stress. But it, it sets up a different kind of stress, doesn't it? It's not as great as it sounds for a lot of guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the issue is that I complained about while I was playing in the NFL, you know, and I I would say, you know, how could a guy miss work when he's sick if he's working a nine to five and he works, you know, at corporate, whatever. And then I get sick and I don't have a training staff to go to and complain to and get IVs and all that stuff. And I'm like a baby and if I had a job, I'd miss it. I wouldn't want to make a call. And if I had to do a radio gig, I wouldn't want to call in when I'm sick. Like, So there are things, you know, the grass is always greener mentality holds true, I would say.
0: No, I get it. So, what about this, though? Like, I mentioned your football life's amazing. I mean, yeah, it sounds great, right? First-round draft pick, you go right to the Pro Bowl, you play for Chicago, but if you go back before that, I mean, you were playing at Saddleback in Mission Viejo, which is not that far up the road from where I am right here, and for a time, you were actually out of school and out of sports altogether working at Jack's Surfboards. Dude, what was that time like? And at that point, did you think, man, maybe my athletic career is over?
1: Well, it's it's kind of that, like, ace in the hole. And I wanted to – I had an inkling early on that I wanted to live life and not be constrained by structure. You know, I'm, I'm the ADD kid that wants to go play outside during class, and when everybody else is outside during class, I probably want to go inside and draw on the board. <laughs> like, there's always something else I want to be doing. So when I'm working at Jack Surfboards in 2010 – and I'm trying to be a, a, a skateboard kid in Southern California. Uh, I didn't really have any plans. I was just kind of living and enjoying being on the peninsula in Newport Beach, which is not a bad spot for a 19-year-old kid. Um, I, you know, I, I meet my college coach there, Mark McElroy, and he's like, do you want to play? I said, you know, my name's Kyle. Didn't give him a last name, no backstory. I played a little football. I'd like to come play at your school. Next thing you know, I'm at Oregon, and – um, you know, the rest has kind of worked out really well.
0: Yeah, it did work out pretty well, but let's, let's not undermine or undersell Jack's. Like, when you were at Jack's, were you murdering chronic tacos at lunch?
1: I was murdering chronic everything um, in Southern California. No, honestly, chronic tacos, I think Wee Man from Jackass was uh, the, the main owner of that. So we, we supported Jackass as youths the show and the movie so we would eat chronic tacos whenever we could the fish tacos there are delicious especially after a good practice
0: dude i got a uh a freshman in in high school he's all about chronic man he he cannot get enough of that so i know that lifestyle and then like you get it's only a few years later then all of a sudden you're a pro bowler as a rookie you're in hawaii and correct me if i'm wrong kyle but did jason witten say to you how the fuck did you get here
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember sitting there, it was like one of those reception dinners, like where finally all the fluff was done, and you can just be around the players. And all the fluff is great, but being around the guys is why guys go to the Pro Bowl, being around other great players. And I remember sitting there just being a fly on the wall, and it's like, I think it was like me, Tony Romo, Jason Witten, Drew Brees, and you'd tell you I was lying if I tried to convince you of this story. And they are all just shooting it the crap and drinking their beers and I'm drinking mine, just the happiest kid in the world. And then Jason Witten looks at me and he said, so hold on, I heard some stuff about you. How, how did you get here? Like, you know, cause you're not supposed to be here, right? That's and awesome. Then, What'd you and say? And then we lead into a good conversation.
0: Can you share any of that conversation? I'm not looking to give it all, give it all up, but like that, that's a fascinating well, I mean, conversation. Y- you
1: pretty, you pretty much told it. I was like, <laughs> dude, I was de-rusting ball bearings and, <laughs> Building sector nines for little scuds, like you know, I was selling jeans Incredible. To, to Green Day fans.
0: <laughs> it's so good, man. De rusting, selling scuds and selling jeans to Green Day fans. It's good life, man. It's good life.
1: It's and, like- and the thing that people don't realize, when I was at Saddleback, I, my first year there, my mom would tell you this. I used to walk off the field with tears in my eyes because I, I wasn't a starter. Because I would do whatever I wanted. I would go inside when I was supposed to have contain, yada, yada, yada. Um, uncoachable, all that. So I said, you know what I can do? I can throw the ball hard, and they can't tell me to throw it softer. I can still throw baseball. So I went out for the baseball team. Pitching batting practice, they said if you hit a home run, the pitchers get hit batting practice. I mean, let me just say, all the pitchers got to hit a lot that day. We had a great time at tryout. I pitched well. And when it came time to get my jersey, the coach called me in and I was, you know, you know, high and mighty, feeling really good about myself. But the guy said, you don't have the grades to play baseball. And I said, gosh, I got to go play football. Dude, so because, if he, you – know, yeah. nobody ever told me about the bad grades on that side. I was going to see
0: – yeah, that's interesting. So, like, if you had the grades, would you and I be talking about you being a Hall no, Fame baseball player? Gone,
1: I would have gone and I would have played uh, – I would have gone and played baseball. I don't know what's beeping here in my here.
0: I was going to say man, you uh see you no longer in, you can not call
1: life the, alert. That's how old I am thanks to football.
0: Dude, yeah, one of those things where you start clapping your hands if you fall down too? You've got one yeah, of those the chairs light that, that comes
1: you That's on too, yeah. Yeah,
0: right, if you got that chair that's attached to the uh, the uh, railing on the scare, stair stairs, so you it can ride up that thing. From
1: the bottom of the stairs straight to the bathroom where I can put a pillow against the wall and just fall asleep. It's How good
0: is brilliant. that shit? Dude, are you 31 or 91?
1: Yeah, dog years, man. I know
0: it. I got it. So Like, when you talk about being an athlete in Chicago, it's one thing to be an athlete in Chicago. There's really nothing better when you're good, but there's really nothing like being a quarterback in that town. And I'm sure, I'm not sure there's ever been a quarterback like Jake Cutler in that town. Cuddy is an absolute legend. Just follow me on this. It's not what you think it's going to be. But, like, he's in a legend because, in part, because he can sling it. We know this. The guy could really play. But a chunk of that is carved from all the the Cutler memes and the perceived "I don't give a damn" attitude. Kyle, you know the guy. You know him as well as anybody. Certainly, better than anybody on the internet knows him. How close is the Cuddy that you know to what the internet thinks he is?
1: I would say that there's two there's two eras of Jay Cutler from the outsider's perspective. One is as a player, and the other is riding the coattails of his massively successful, awesome wife, Kristen. Um, so when he's on her show, I would say it's a very accurate representation of what Jay is like in a social setting. I mean, the guy is great. And, you know, did he sometimes throw it to the wrong team? Yeah. But there was also 50 times a game where he's getting pummeled by d Um You look at the schemes and you look at the sheer numbers of sacks against Cutler, in his time there, and it was, uh... you know, I would be a bitter, cold dude, you know, from an out, from an out, looking in kind of perspective. That's how I would seem too. And you and I both know the quarterback position is a polarizing one, especially in the city of Chicago. Um, they they're they're always waiting for the answer, and if it's not exactly what they want, they want the next thing. Um, and we're dealing with that now in Chicago with Mitch, and. You know, it's going to take time for Nagy's offense to mesh well with Mitch's skill set. You know, there's two things I know. Nagy's a great coach, and Mitch has the skills to be a winning quarterback in the league. Now, I don't know if Jay ever matched up his skill set with the proper scheme, protection, personnel, and staff, but like you alluded to, Jay had tremendous arm talent, and uh yeah, the quarterback position. If you're, if you can play the quarterback position in Chicago, watch out, everybody.
0: A few thoughts there, dude. You're transitioning very nicely. Then you just put your analyst hat on. That was good. That was really, really good. Now, when you say there's two sides to Cutler, I could even add a third side. And this is just really, really small. Like I'm not going to sit here and say I spent a lot of time with Jay, but I can remember when he was still with Denver early in his career. I had him on a TV show when I was on ESPN, and we sat back off to the side before we taped. Dude, he he could not have been cooler. Like, he was engaged. Before he we went on the air, he was very engaging, very laid back, very friendly, very empathetic. You know, it was before all that, any of that bitterness could creep in over all the shit that must come along with being a starting quarterback and being a starting quarterback in that town. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying he's jaded, but the, the Cutler that I dealt with early in his career could not have been cooler, more friendly.
1: But that's the same guy. I mean, as athletes... Uh, we talk about guys behaving a certain way on campus and on campus as you know is anywhere where there's a camera anywhere where there's you know you're you're in uniform you're representing the bears now when you're in the comfort of your own home or we got the, the back table at a at a nice dimly lit bar guys like myself guys like jay are going to be able to feel comfortable and be themselves Just like if you know, if we went to get dinner and we were in a closed space, nobody's taking pictures or filming, we're gonna be super chill and be ourselves. But you always have to have that cautious uh wherewithal about you because with the twenty four hour news cycle and everybody's got a friggin' camera, you never know what people are posting or the narrative they're gonna try to set forth. So unfortunately Jay possibly is jaded by that and you can't blame him. I mean, how would I perform in that situation? How would you perform? being the quarterback and dealing with all that kind of thing.
0: No doubt. And the, the conversation I had with him was prior to all of that, so we hadn't
1: dealt with all that.
0: So you're so you right. Get,
1: you, get, you get a look at, you know, young Jay Cutler, and then that's who he is. I mean, we haven't changed much since we were all 17, really, at the at the core of who we are. Um, you know, things change around us, which influence our, you know, maybe our mood, but I think we're all the same folks. And Jay's always been great to me, and uh, he was a great teammate, and, you know he's he's a he's a cool guy. He definitely is a cool guy. It's like watch, I was watching a Charlton Heston movie yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, back then this was, this is a man's man. This is a guy I would want to hang out with and go hit the gym with and grab a beer with. And Cutler's the same kind of way. And I think that's why there is such a affinity to the memes for this younger generation. They love the guy.
0: He's James Dean. Yeah, I mean, he, the guy is. hes He's got that it, man. He's got that cool. So last thought about him. Like, if he if he doesn't love this world where, like, every a-hole's got a camera, like every a-hole is TMZ because they've got a phone, you ever picture a day where this guy would be the star of a reality show where even he outshines his own famous wife where the camera's always on the guy and he can thrive?
1: Well, you you got to understand the happy wife, happy life oh, thing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And she runs the house. I yep. mean, there's no... There's no mistake about it. She's, she's the boss lady there, and, and Jay gets it. And um, he's a great dad, all that stuff. But I think if the opportunity comes up where he can possibly have that symbiotic relationship where he says, you know, I can, you know help me help you. I can be on your show. We can do a great job. And it helps out Kristen greatly. And uh, I think he's just a good husband, a good dad, and he wants to be there and do that kind of stuff always laughing. You know, it is it is surprising. From the first day I met him, I mean, the guy's not on social media. Um the whole nine, so it it's cool to see the transition. He's putting on another hat.
0: I mean, i I say it in jest, but a happy life, happy wife, happy life is it's kind of funny. It's I, I mean, everybody says it, there's something to it. I don't I don't want to make I'm making light of it. It's, it's funny, but he, exactly, it's, it's important to her. She's got this career, and he's doing his part. And
1: Jay's so smart, he figured out a simple solution to, to complex problems, and everybody has them, complex problems. But what there are is, you know, keep the people important to you happy and pursue what you're into, work hard at it, and treat people with respect.
0: Hey now, so what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? I can answer that by saying what we don't want We don't want bars. We simply do not want sugary snacks. And you know we don't want yet another energy drink. We want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. That's why it's so tender and tasty. And it's so good because of the company behind it. A 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. We're talking quality smoked meat at its finest, which goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So make sure you look for Old Trapper. It's in a clear view bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name, because as you know by now, no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What's your beef? But I ran to another fam- former teammate of yours the week of Super Bowl. And, like, the thing you mentioned about if you were sitting in a dimly lit bar with your friends, you'd see a different person. I've always argued we don't really know any of you guys. Like, how, how could we know athletes unless we spend a lot of quality time with them? We don't know you guys you know, based on what, a soundbite in interview. So I've always understood that. I get that. So. I'm doing an interview with Tariq Cohen, and man, he's great. I I love him because I love the chip on his shoulder. I love how hard he runs. He's not the biggest guy. He's tremendous. And then you mentioned the camera, and of course, he went famously live on Instagram. He accidentally, accidentally got you bare-ass naked. Listen, Kyle, you roll with everything. I'm shocked that doesn't happen more often. I don't know how that doesn't happen every single week in the NFL, but I'm kind of curious. How did you handle that with him? Were you cool with that? Were you
1: pissed about that? Was it funny? I've, I've, things out about my teammates before unknowingly that was malignant. Uh, you know, with you think about being in the Patriots locker room, and those guys are not even allowed to like tweet or whatever. I mean, I'm not sure the rules, so don't quote me on Dude, that.
0: Dude, they're barely but, allowed to talk. I, there
1: are a lot of rules in the Patriots locker room. Um, you're surpri- I'm surprised that things like this don't happen more often. It was an honest mistake. Tariq and I are buddies. He was mortified. I mean, my real, you know, my real issue was is just like, hey man, if I'm if I, I want to be the guy that gets, I'm a vet. I don't want to dance around after the game. I want to go get showered and go see my family. But you have to understand that, and I think he gets it now. It's all a learning process. Uh, I've had a lot of learning experience in the NFL on my, you know, where I've had to learn. That was the day where he learned, and you know, I couldn't speak highly of more highly of a guy. Tariq works hard. He's respectful. Um, it was an accident. What are you going
0: to do? Right. I, I bet he was mortified, and I am shocked it doesn't happen all the time. Now, if you want to talk about junk, i got one more thing for you. Now, you're on the other side, so you can settle a debate without burning anybody here. I'm not looking for you to run anybody under the bus, but Matt Nagy crooned out a very viral rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game last summer. Now, that, that that to me is a hard song. That's a really hard thing to do, so whenever anybody is brave enough to do that, I respect it, but the reason it went viral is because he might have misspoke when it was time to say peanuts and he might have gone with penis. Well, I got
1: to got to cut you off because you got to be consistent with your pronunciation and he has never said the word peanut correctly. So if if so he he's not going to sing a lyric. What's He says peanuts. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. And for somebody who's around him every day, you, you don't even bat an eye at that. But for somebody who's hearing him talk for the first time you say, Did he just say peanuts and cracker jacks? Right. So
0: what you're saying is he, he a didn't
1: northeast thing. I think it's a northeast thing. Oh so right, okay, so, so what you're saying is he
0: didn't miss. Challenge. he didn't misspeak. That's just the way he speaks. That's the way he speaks. Alright, man, I, I respect that. Now if I could not pronounce the word peanuts, I ain't going near that fucking song.
1: That's how, you know, he's got one he's got two words written on his laminated play card. It's B U. So he's definitely not gonna change the way he pronounces peanuts.
0: <laughs> All right, so there's no controversy there. He just he's always said it that way.
1: No, it's a non-story.
0: I get that, man. Hey, look, again, I'm not trying to get you to say stuff about guys that you like and respect. In fact, you just no, set the I'm, record straight. I'm, you,
1: I'm sarcastically saying it. No, and not that. But you truly, actually that's the way the guy it.
0: speaks. Yeah, like I said, yeah, I, I get that. If I couldn't if if penis is what came out when it was time to say peanuts, I would not be singing a song about penis.
1: Yeah, well uh You know, that's why I'm glad I don't have a strong accent either way. I know, right? So, okay, so
0: Trubisky, like, so you said as soon as the skill set catches up to the scheme or the scheme catches up to the skill set, like, Philip Rivers is floating around right now. Would that be an upgrade in your mind to Trubisky?
1: Well, Jim, I mean, that's an unfair question because Philip Rivers is quite possibly a Hall of Fame quarterback and Mitch is in year four. So I think Philip Rivers at 27 teams in the league would be an upgrade. Um, but as I said earlier, I think Mitch has a skill set. He has one in Chicago. But I think that, like with any other team, the situation needs to be right up front in the front seven on both sides of the ball. And you need to have a power running back featured in that game, which has a multitude of scat backs.
0: All right, so Kyle, you, you obviously can break this stuff down. I think this would not be hard for you. You could go after this. You could get a radio show. You could be in a studio. You're learning about life. You're still just 31. Like, so what's the next chapter look like? Are you going day by day, or what's the big plan?
1: Well, you know, I was planning on coming down and just crashing on your couch and shadowing for a week and can, uh, learning how to surf. <laughs> do, do you not know how to surf? I, I can't surf. Can you surf? I, I can surf behind a boat, so like wake surfing, I okay. guess. Okay, but I've never paddled out and stood up in a wave. Dude, are you a golf guy? I like golf. Uh, I like golf. I like to race cars. I like cars. I'm big into cars. Hey, I saw with you. An
0: oh, dude, I saw you off road in Vegas. What was that like?
1: I mean, crazy. Bryce Menzies is a Vegas boy. He's the, he's one of uh, two Red Bull drivers for their trophy trucks, and he took me in his brand new all wheel drive. You know, it's it's disgusting. How powerful and strong and just technologically advanced this off road racing stuff has gotten. And it's all based around the suspension, so comfort of the ride. But it was awesome.
0: So, if you're a car guy, are you like an American muscle car guy? Are you an exotic car guy?
1: Um, Yeah, I like NASCAR and IMSA series, which is the GT3 series, Porsche, BMW, um, you know, Ferrari, all those cars. But it's uh, it's it's all fun stuff. I really enjoy F one, but obviously a lot of it is not stateside. Only to the Americas, and Austin, Texas is the only American Formula One trek. I think they're going to do one in Miami, which would be cool. You should go to that.
0: That would be cool, dude. Can I tell you really quickly about NASCAR? Like, so back in the day, I got a lot of mileage about talking shit about NASCAR and how it's the left turn only circuit, and these guys were all named. Ernie and Kyle when they were just like really 1990 stuff like it was kind of funny back then and you know what's funny about that dude they didn't take offense like NASCAR said to me you know what man we we get you we know what you're about we know your whole shtick why don't you come to one of our races why don't you come hang out with us and then tell us what you think and then they like literally they avail all their guys what is it that NASCAR understands these this is the most fan-friendly sport ever these athletes are so accessible you know what I'm talking about right and it goes a long way
1: I think that you look at the different entities, the big sports entities, and you look at the MLB, the NFL, the MLB, and the sheer numbers, and the, the people involved, and the quote-unquote talent, all the athletes. The great thing about a NASCAR race is in total every week there's going to be X amount of guys, and it's not going to change much. It might be X plus or minus one or two each week, and there's the big – there's the big, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, Junior Motorsports, Penske. All these guys have teams, and you build an allegiance with it, and they open the doors to fans like nobody else, like you said. And I think a big reason is because it's there's nothing more American than going to a NASCAR race. They want oh, people yeah. to have opportunities to feel a part of it. They want the family. One thing about racing, which I've noticed, is it's a real family business, loyal community. Unlike, unlike the NFL it's really the antithesis of the NFL in that a lot of these people are raised in the companies by their families who run the companies. um... but the fans they want to keep growing the sport like any of the big sports now the issue is getting people to come to the stadiums people are watching in record numbers but the sales at at the venue is dwindling and I think that experience of NASCAR and seeing it in person It's something that everybody needs to experience if they are a fan, and they want to make that happen.
0: It is the ultimate slice of Americana. Listen, last thought, and you brought that up. It's so interesting what you just said. Like, you were on the other side. You know what it's like to be on the field with 75,000 people in the stands. But to your point, the challenge is getting people to come because as amazing as it is, as a spectator, you know if you're sitting in your home and it's perfectly climate controlled and there's no parking, there's no waiting for a bathroom, you can eat and drink and your beers aren't 20 bucks per, everything's in 5K and HD, why the hell would you leave the house? How do you deal with that if you're professional sports?
1: There's something about, you know, the thing about sports is the sights, sounds, and smells are so unique. You look at baseball and every single field is different. They all have the same base pass and the same home plate and dimensions on the infield, but every single place is unique. Golf courses, every single one's unique, which is why I think we should go to every baseball field, every golf course, and have an appreciation for nature. Now you look at NASCAR, and the thing that stands out to me is the power, the smell, the fuel, the sounds of the engines, um, and getting a real appreciation up close for speed uh, and the talent that these guys have to be able to drive a foot and a half from one another for 500 miles at 200 miles an hour. Um, it takes a rare breed and people say football players are wired differently, but these guys who get in the car and drive at the highest level, they're nuts.
0: Dude, preach. I was at the brickyard once and Jimmy Johnson put me in the pace car. So we're the only car on the track. He wasn't like you were saying when you're racing. Jimmy
1: Johnson took you for a ride?
0: Yes, dude. Arguably and, the GOAT. Uh, I don't think there's any argument about it, right? Well, I mean, you know, he the is. 200
1: wins, Richard Petty, that's the argument that you're going to get. Chase
0: Elliott came on the show today and called him the goat and he, he prepsed it by exactly what you just said, that there's always going to be an argument when you talk goat for any sport, but dude, he took me for a ride in the pace car. So there was no, nobody else on the track and he's like doing that thing where he's driving with one finger and he's looking over and talking to me and I'm looking at the speedometer Kyle, he's up to 150. I'm not kidding. And I knew he was messing with me and it worked. I was scared shitless. I'm not kidding you. This dude got like, literally it felt like six inches from the wall and he's going around at a buck fifty, driving What's practically this? with his knee at the brickyard. Oh. On a one. And he I'm just like playing it off like it's cool and I'm good when I wasn't. You're right. These guys are a different breed, man. I never and I've had really high performance cars that have gone really fast. I had never had an experience like that. And that was on an empty track with a pace car.
1: Well, you know, as somebody who drives fast cars or, you know, performance able cars, that being in the passenger seat is a different story.
0: Right, right. No doubt. But, he, but, but that said, he said to me, he goes, you want to drive the car? I'm like, no.
1: He's like, what do you Absolutely mean, no? Not. I think I've seen it. Thanks. Yeah, that's what, it's exactly. Go I'm so
0: glad you said that. That's exactly what my take was. I'm like, no, I'm good. He's like, why? I'm like, oh, no, really, bro, I'm good. Are we done? I'm if good. If you
1: watch the end of my Bryce Menzies trophy truck video, the, the first thing I said is, that, well, I can, I can figure out where I'm getting buried because I can die now. Yeah, right. I, like, I, I, I feel like I've done it all, that, that feeling when you get out of the car. And that's why people need to go see this stuff because you can't explain it.
0: Kyle, you know why? This is why you're so good. Like I've been trying to get, I've been trying to thank you and say goodbye for like 20 minutes, but you keep saying really interesting things. And it's I'm like sorry, my job Jim. to no, no, say yeah. You should okay. Apology accepted, but it's my job to follow, and I'm, that's I'm teaching you as a He's host. Do.
1: Jim, you know, I got to take this massive dump. There so I'm you go have to get off the phone. Perfect.
0: Okay, before you do that, hold it in, just suck it in for one second. <laughs> did you ever go up? Because I haven't done this. Did you ever go up with the Blue Angels?
1: I have not. I don't know if I'd fit in one of those. Yeah,
0: right. That'd be hard. That'd be hard. Yeah, but you, you've thinned out, dude. You've already lost weight. Is that well, conscious? 70 pounds. 70? Dude, you retired like 70 days ago. Not even. How'd you lose so much weight so fast? I know you didn't play the entire year, but 70. How's that feel?
1: I really feel like a dick saying this, but genetics, I guess. Yeah. I literally haven't been around many weights or run much. I just watch what I eat, and I'm not a big drinker at all, really. <laughs> so that helps i was
0: gonna say when you come back to the 949 so you and i can have a beer but you're not much of a drinker
1: 949 i
0: mean you're speaking my language now bud do you come back when are you gonna come back
1: we need to go uh we can grab some some ceviche in dana point
0: oh yeah i'm in i'm in when are you coming home meet you in south south county bud i'll go south county when are you coming home i'll let you know okay i'll take that as i'm not calling you when i get there rome but i'll let you know But thanks to Kyle Long for swinging through the pod and spending some time talking about his playing days and his new post-retirement life. No doubt he has got a whole hell of a lot in front of him, and I'm pumped to see what he does next. So that's 116 episodes in the bank. If you're new here, make sure you get subscribed. I push out a new ep every single week. And while you wait on episode 117, go ahead and give some previous episodes a spin. They all hold up. As always, thank you very much for listening and supporting the side hustle back in seven days with another one. Until then, here are your voicemails.
2: First new message.
0: Hey, Romy,
1: this is Rob in Kansas City. You need to get Paul Rudd, forever young Paul Rudd on your podcast. Not only is the guy amazingly hilarious, but he's the biggest Chiefs and Royals fan ever. He can talk to Little cheese, of course, the Marvel stuff. I went to high school with him. I was a freshman the year he was a senior. Guy is a truly, genuinely nice guy. At least that's what I knew at the time, and I'm sure he is still, of course.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Hey, Rob, This is Wes from the 806. Gary V is awesome. I believe in the mind over matter. I am an avid baseball collector, and I've been collecting Ken Griffey Jr. since his rookie year. And I have a lot of stock in that. And also on the Phil Sims podcast, I love his take on Kobe and on Parcells. Keep up the great work, man.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Romy, Rome. Hey, it's Monday, day after the Oscars. I don't know what was a more pathetic
0: plea for relevance to the Gen Zers and Millennials, whether it was the Oscars bringing old Average M to do a 20-year-old song or if it was Average M himself. Memo to Eminem, we had enough of you about 15 years ago. Your music is you know, average at best, Average M. Go away, bro. We don't need
1: to see you and your awkward curves.
2: Message deleted. Next message.
1: Rome, Justin, and Melbourne. Now that the NFL season is over, let's have Utah hockey. And there's no better way to start it off than the Battle of Alberta. Can you believe it? I thought I jumped in a time machine the other night. I saw a goalie fight. That's what I'm talking about. Let's turn up the rivalries. Let's turn up the NHL. And let's get your NHL picks.
2: Message saved. Next message.
1: Hi, Jim. It's Bella B in Calgary. I want to learn how to make a dirty martini. Do you mind asking Logan Rome, should I just use the Spanish green olive? Or is it better to use the manzanilla olive? Let me know.
2: Thanks. Message saved. Next message.
1: Old SmackDonald, what is up? This is David from Buffalo. I'm calling in about Nick freaking Taylor. That's right, a Canadian stood up toe to toe to Mickelson on a Sunday when none of the guys on Morning Drive on the Golf Channel picked him to win. I want to hear from a Canadian golf fan in London. Sudbury, Kingston. Halifax, Winnipeg, Vancouver. Is there anyone in Banff who has a sports take on Nick Taylor winning? Welland, Thorold, Grimsby, St. Catharines. react to me.
2: Message deleted. You have no more messages.